hunting truffles, unlabeled wine, and attaching a camera to an active dog. This week, we're in Italy for white truffles. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we're in a different place to sample dishes and drinks that make that spot unique. And this week, we're talking truffles with the directors of the new movie, The Truffle Hunters. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm obsessed with truffles. I even made truffles and the culture of truffle hunters in Croatia the center of my novel, Truffle Hunt. I first stumbled upon truffles when we were in Croatia, and it happened to be truffle season. And we were driving along a road, and there were these giant circus tents set up and cars parked in a dirt parking lot, and it said truffles. And we said, let's go. And it was a big truffle festival in Croatia. And we had a great time sampling truffles with pasta, truffle honey, truffle cheese, even truffle candy. But the highlight was the guy who was selling donkey milk and grappa, <laughs> the, the local moonshine, kind of like Bailey's, but not really. And I incorporated a lot of this stuff into my novel Truffle Hunt. So you can imagine how excited I was when I found out that they're making a documentary about the men who hunt for the rarest of truffles, the white truffle, not in Croatia, but in the forest near Alba, Italy. Gregory Kershaw and Michael Dweck are the fellows who made the film. They're the co-directors of The Truffle Hunters, and they talked to me about getting inside the secret society and how climate change and deforestation, as well as our modern world, are affecting and threatening the life of truffle hunters. Gregory and Michael also talk about their efforts to preserve this special land. And we talked about the beloved truffle hunting dogs and the difficulty of capturing the dog's excitement looking for truffles in the woods on film. Plus, they tell me a great story about the barter economy in this part of Italy. It's really entertaining. But before we forage for fungi, let me ask you to rate and review the podcast. We're on all the podcast delivery platforms. So Give up those five stars and give us a good review, won't you? Destination Eat Drink. Gregory and Michael, thanks for being on the program. Congratulations on your new film, The Truffle Hunters. I've watched it. It's wonderful. It covers some of my favorite subjects, including truffles. Uh, I actually wrote a book about a novel that concerned truffles a few years ago. So I'm a big truffle person. I love truffles. My question to you is, it's a bit of an esoteric subject. How did you guys get interested in truffles to start with? Well, we, we stumbled upon this world by, by chance. And Gregory and I are both obsessed with finding worlds that exist outside the sphere of globalization and technology. Those worlds course, are really hard to find um, the world that have maintained their identity and maintained their connection with local history and culture. I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but in this August of 2017, in the summer, we were both separately traveling through the Piedmont region in northern Italy, and we were struck by this place, and it felt like we were moving through a fairy tale land. 
it's, it's like, as you know, knowing that region well, it's spectacular. Every hilltop has a little town. There are beautiful vineyards, and there's a sense that it's removed from the modern world, and it moves at a very different rhythm. It hasn't been taken over by, by globalized culture, which is really refreshing because we all come from cities, and when you find a world like this, it's, uh, it's, it's quite special. And um, you know, as, as we spent time over there, we heard about these trouble hunters, that there was a secret society of these old men who scoured forests in the middle of the night for the rare white alba truffle, which cannot be cultivated, unlike the black truffle. It's the rarest and most expensive food ingredient in the world. And, and um, you know, it's beyond the grasp of science and human knowledge. There's something you know, very special about that idea. So we went back uh, to explore. Uh, two weeks later, you know, we ended up uh, turning it into two weeks there and then, you know, Two, you know, a week back and three weeks there and a week back and turned into a three-year exploration of this uh, beautiful, magical world. You talk about the secret society, and I'm really fascinated with this because I know that these folks will not let just anyone be a part of their club. Um, y- you know, they've got even family members who they don't tell where their secret truffle finding spots are. <laughs> How, how did you guys penetrate this? It took, it took a lot of time because, I mean, the, what what we didn't realize is just just finding out who the truffle hunters are in this community is is really difficult because there's, there's it's a secret kept within the community. Yeah, so we would, you know, we would go to a trattoria where they had truffle on the menu, mm-hmm. and we would, you know, we would see that they had fresh truffle, and we would ask the owner, "Hey, so." Um, could you introduce us to the truffle hunter who sells you these truffles every day? And you'd say, oh, I've never even met the guy. I just, you know, I leave some money in a box in the middle of the night. And when I wake up, there's a truffle in there. And that, so you realize that just finding, finding out who the truffle hunters were was going to, it, it, it was going to, to take time. And what, what that meant is we really had to start building relationships in the community. And we met with a lot of different people. And, you know, we would meet with the treacherier owner who would introduce us to the town priest who had a cousin who was a truffle hunter who would introduce us to somebody else. And, and it, it kind of went, you know, we went around in circles like that for a long time. And we got to know a lot of people in these communities communities and they and, but through that process I think they, they they came to understand you know what we were interested in that we wanted to tell a story that that I think they thought was important and we started to meet the truffle hunters and 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 you know that it was the same kind of process because yeah the, the, the secret I mean everything about this world is the secret where they find the truffles is a secret where they sell the truffles is a secret who they sell the truffles to is a secret and that's because the white truffle it, yeah, it can't be cultivated, and it's the most expensive ingredient in the world. So, so it, you know, knowing knowing where a truffle might bloom can lead to it can lead to another truffle hunter getting there first, or even worse, it can lead to a truffle hunter who's who's inexperienced and maybe doing it for the wrong reasons to go there and dig it up before it's ripe. And if that happens, it won't grow back the next year because it it will not have had time to release its spores into the ground. So, so these these secrets are you know they're 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 kept with them and they're they're accumulated with really a lifetime of knowledge that's built on the knowledge of of all the the history of the truffle hunters that came before them. And 
we we were invited into the world very very slowly. It was a lot, you know. It was a lot of meals with the people that we were filming with. We drank wine with them. We drank espresso with them. Mm-hmm. We we followed them into the field, and eventually they started. They started. We we still don't know if we actually have ever been to you know their what they consider their their favorite truffle forest. But we, we <laughs> eventually they started letting us in, and they started sharing their world with us. And 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 you know it was, that that all happened really before we brought out the camera and started filming. We tried to really understand the world in a really deep way and understand the lives of the people that we were filming and have relationships with them. And only then did we did we take out the camera and and start trying to translate this incredible magical feeling that we felt with them into into cinema. I'm glad you penetrated this secret society because the film is gorgeous and one thing that struck me and it's a very small it's a very small thing in the film but I noticed that in a couple of places where you go you're in the houses of these farmers these truffle hunters and inevitably you see a bottle of unlabeled wine on the table or on the <laughs> shelf and I love this because I love when the unlabeled wine comes out because it means that person made the wine or maybe these truffle hunters, I don't know, maybe they uh, bartered with a truffle for some wine or something. Mm-hmm. Tell me about drinking the wine. Exactly. Well, it's true that you say a lot of this barter, you know, we, you know, it's funny, we would bring gifts uh, to the truffle hunters. We would bring a lot of times raw meat because we lived also above a butcher. And there was a great butcher in this village. And, um, you know, he'd give us sausage and, uh, you know, all these different cuts of, of you know, different, different raw meats. Uh, so, and we also had cheese like gorgonzola. We knew Angela like gorgonzola. So we always had in our van uh, products like that to bring because they were so generous with their time. So we would give, you know, meat to, uh, let's say, well, Angela or Carlo. And Carlo would then, at the end of the day, he'd come out and give us this, this bottle of wine without a cork in it. <laughs> and to say, this is from my, this is from my vineyard. Cause he, he grew, you know, this, he grew Moscato wine, just a white wine, but he said, Oh, this is a gift. And so we, now we'd have this, there were big bottles, magnums almost of this wine, but no corks that were driving around our van. But, <laughs> and then we would, you know, we couldn't drink all of it, of course. And then we would take one of the bottles of wine and we'd give that to, An- to Angela. <laughs> and Angela would then give us like a, a crate of persimmons. From his persimmon tree, and then we have like, we have like twenty persimmons that were gonna be, that were ripe, and then we had you know we go to the next stop, you know to Ajidio, we give him some persimmons, and he'd give us some pomegranate. <laughs> so you know we had this, we were operating like a train in our van back and forth uh, with with food and wine. A whole underground economy, literally, literally starts underground with the truffles, but now it's an underground economy of, yeah, of bartering. Yeah. That's uh, that's a wonderful story. Of course, the wines are incredible because that region grows, uh, you know, Nebbiolo grape, which you know, you know, it, you get Barbaresco wine and you get Barolo wine, and that's part of the some of the issues we present in the film in a subtle way is that now because of climate change, you you know, five, six, seven years ago, you couldn't grow Nebbiolo uh, grapes in that in that region because it'd be too cold in the mountains, but now it's it's warmed up, so you can grow that. So they're deforesting. A lot of the region where you need you, know, you need oak trees for truffles, and uh, you know they're clearing the land um, to make way for these vineyards that look beautiful, but it, you know it creates other issues in the territory. But we had you know you see that our truffle judge, the guy who he smells the truffles in the, in the truffle fair, he decides um, which truffle is good enough to make it to the to the market and which really go to the to the trash inevitably. And um, 
you know, he's a very interesting man. He's, he's a, he was a chocolate taster for, I think, 10 or 12 years. Uh, he was a wine taster for the same amount of time. And now he's a, been a, he's a truffle, truffle taster and judge for, I think, 15 years. So we went out to lunch with him, and he hands the menu to us. We didn't know he's a wine taster. We're talking to him. We had no idea. So he hands the menu to the wine list to Greg and I, this little trattoria, and he, and he says, well, you pick the wine. And, and then somebody, the translator, leaves next to us and says, he's the region's most important wine taster. Do wow. not pick the wine. Hand the, med- <laughs> hand the wine list back to him. <laughs> he slowly handed it back and said, no, no, it's your, it's your day today. Why don't you pick the wine? But he knows everything about the soil of every single vineyard, the sun, the acidity, every everything, every component that goes into a great wine, the families that are growing it. So when you drink wine, in that region, with somebody who really has intimate knowledge of the of the family and and the soil, it really tastes quite different. We can't talk about truffle hunting without talking about dogs. The dogs are such an important part of going. I mean, they're the ones who do the work. They find the truffles, and these dogs are highly trained. You know, in America, we say, "Oh, my dog, he's part of the he or she, she part of the family," but watching this film. You have the feeling that not only are they part of the family, are these dogs part of the family? They have an elevated position within the family. Talk about the importance of the truffle dogs. Well, I, when we when we first started filming, I mean, it was it was really clear to us that the dogs were they were characters in the film that were they were just as important in the story as as the truffle hunters that we were filming with, and we started thinking like you know because the, the humans you know. T- Generally, humans, you you know, they're easier to capture with with a with a camera because they, you know, when two humans talk, they're generally sitting down and you can capture a conversation. A dog, especially a truffle dog, is always in motion. I mean, they, they, and that's that's one of the characteristics of a good truffle dog is they have, they have an incredible elevated sense of smell, but they they have a ton of energy and they need it because they're out in the woods for twelve hours a night, constantly searching in this, you know frenetic, frantic frenzy, the ecstasy of finding a truffle. So, so we, we, we wanted to figure out a way to, to capture the dog's perspective in the world. And, and it led us to, it led us to a lot, a lot of experimentation. I mean, we, we started, we started researching all these really complicated rigs on logs and talking to different film rental houses and harnesses with little uh, stabilizers that would, that would allow us to put a camera on a dog. And we, we got them and we tested them and none of them really, they, none of them brought you into the dog's perspective. It didn't feel, it felt like you were floating above the dog, but we wanted you to, we wanted you to experience the world as the dog experiences it. We wanted you to experience the thrill of running through the woods, the, the, the exuberance, the exuberance of finding a truffle and, and, and this, 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 this excitement that the truffle hunter and the dog share. And so what, ha- what, we, what we ultimately ended up discovering is that the best way to do it, we, we worked with a local cobbler who, who happened to have a, have, have a shop right below where we were living. And we went into his shop and we, we, we explained what we wanted to do. And he said, come back, give me, give me dimensions, and I, I will make you a, a harness that will allow you to put a little GoPro on, on a dog's head. And and so we we did, and then the next day he made he he made a harness for us, and we brought it out with Sergio actually, and Sergio put it on one of his dogs Fiona, and they went out 
truffle hunting into the woods, and we we just Michael and I stayed back in our in our in our production van, and they came back three hours later, and we said, "Where's the camera?" And he said, "What?" <laughs> and uh, that that, yeah. that was uh, the last we saw of that camera, but we. Um, so we got we got another one, and uh, we made another another harness, and this one fit the dog better. And and we started using these we started using these harnesses with all all the dogs. We made uh, harnesses that fit all their different heads. And this footage that we got back was just it it was it was so amazing because it would go on for for hours. We would just let the camera roll, and we would at first you would just experience the excitement, the thrill that these dogs have going on the hunt and running through the woods. But then you, then we realized that we, we were learning about the relationship that the truffle hunters have with their dogs, the way they interact on the hunt, the way the, way the truffle hunter calls back to them and, the, and that the dog listens to that call and knows exactly what to do and the thrill of finding a, a truffle. But then we also realized, like, with Aurelio, we would hear that he would be, he would be speaking to Burba. And he would not just command, he would be telling Burba, his worries, his fears, his hopes, his dreams, wow. just like in the film. But we didn't we didn't know that until we saw that footage. And it was it, it it just it blew open this whole new way of understanding what these dogs what they, they meant in the lives of the truffle hunters and how, how how incredibly deep that relationship was. You know, that's uh interesting the way that you put that because it really brings a whole new dimension to the relationship. Of course, there's also the economic relationship. In other words, the without the dog, you're not finding the truffle. Without the truffle, you're not making some money. So these dogs are incredibly valuable from not only a personal standpoint, but also from a monetary standpoint. I've read stories in France about these truffle dogs getting kidnapped and sold in Eastern Europe and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other unscrupulous people laying out poison so that these dogs will uh, be injured or killed and someone else can go and find the truffles. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, um, as, as you know, these are, these are quite valuable. And, um, and you know, there's, there's, a, 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 there's a demand for these. I mean, you, you know, from the U.S., from Asia, from, from Russia, from Europe. And, um, uh, you know, they're, it's, it's, you can't grow them like you can grow you know, oranges and, you know, and mm-hmm. potatoes, they're, they're, this is a, you, you can't cultivate these. So when you have a high demand uh, and, a, and, a, and a, you know, a trickle of a supply, plus the people that can find them are, you know, they're few and far between. Um, that leads to conflict. And also what I talked to mention before about, about climate change affecting the region is that they're, you know, they're, you need forests, and they're just—they're stripping forests. Forests are valuable for a lot of reasons. They're valuable for the—you know—they they strip a forest for firewood, and then they plant, then they plant grapevines, because oak trees don't provide income for somebody who owns a piece of land. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there's less and less—you know—available land, um, and that creates—that creates these problems. And yeah, you know, the, the poisoning we, we you know we heard about throughout the filming process, we we never found out. It would do something so horrific uh, to a to a dog, um, especially knowing how close these truffle hunters are to their to their dogs. Right. Um, so that was you know that was you know really heartbreaking to to hear. And uh, but we've also you know you know we fell we, we fell in love with this with this region, and we want to see this community 
um, continue like it has been for the last six uh, or seven generations. So, so we ended up just starting our own conservation program to save these forests. So, you know, we've raised quite a bit of money that we've already uh, given over to a, an organization on the ground in the region, and they're they, they're buying the the land where we made the film so that they can't deforest the land. And so the community will stay intact for, for years to come. And there's also an educational component that will deal with you know, bringing a new generation into the, into the woods with the dogs and the truffle hunters to teach them how beautiful it is to be in nature and not on your, your phones all day. And, we, you know, and, and to deal with this, this issue of poisoning that um, you know, we want to get rid of this problem. So you know, they've trained German shepherds to, you know, to deal with this problem, which we think will, will be successful. And um, you know, so hopefully that, 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 will, that will go away. But the demand will always be there. The demand is there. I'm so glad to hear that you guys are working to preserve this land because everywhere you go throughout Europe, these forested areas, it feels like the outside world is encroaching upon it, uh, our modern world. That's right. And um, I, it strikes me when we first watched the movie, my girlfriend and I, at near the very beginning of the movie, she turned to me and she said, when does this take place? Not where does this take place? When does this take place? Because <laughs> yeah, it yeah. has such a mm-hmm. timeless look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess my question to you is, the the truffle farmers, the truffle hunters, do they feel the weight of this outside world encroaching upon them? And do they think this could be it? This could be the last generation that has this way of life? I mean, I, th- I think I think they do. I think I mean, I think you know, we we made you know the reason we made the film is I mean, I think it starts with the fact that we just we search out these places because we we love we love being in places that have this this feeling of being removed from modernity that have that have the connection to their past, but there there's so few of them and they're they're so they're so fragile and they're dis- it seems like they're disappearing so quickly in the world right now and just being kind of consumed by modernity and, and digital technology and, and you know, and, and, and the environmental issues. Uh, it, it's, it's hard for them to exist. And the truffle hunters that we filmed with, I, you know, I, I think some are more sensitive and more preoccupied by it than others. I mean, certainly, you know, Angelo, he stopped truffle hunting because he doesn't like the greed that has taken over the truffle industry. Yeah. But it's also, he, he, he understands, I mean, he's constantly reading. He's surrounded by books. He's constantly reading the newspapers and he sees what's happening in the world around him. And he's, it, he's, he's troubled by it. He's deeply troubled by it. And, and I think all the people that we filmed with, they understand that yeah, the way that they live is, is a way that most people can't live in the world right now, or it's very hard to live the way that they live in the world right now. And there's a good chance that, you know, the generations that are coming up, they won't, they won't experience the world the same way that this generation that we filmed with is experiencing it. And, and if they do continue truffle hunting, it might not be in the same way. It might, you know, they, they'll, they'll likely have an iPhone or some sort of smartphone in their pocket, which, which, which changes everything. I mean, it's hu- hugely significant and it really, it determines so much about how you relate to the world. So, I think when we started this project and we started telling them about how we wanted to film the world, why we thought it was important, and then we started filming and we would show them little pieces of what we were filming, I think that was what 
made them, you know, cause we, we dedicated three years of our lives to this film, but they dedicated, you know, they let us follow them around for three years. And it was a, it was a commitment on both, both sides. And I think what made them eager to, to enter into that process with us is that I think they, uh, they, they understand that, that what they do is important and they might not, they might not call it wisdom, but, but I think it's, it is a wisdom that they have a wisdom that I think there's a lot that we can all learn from in the world right now. It's very, it's a very simple wisdom, but it's just, it's looking at the things that make human life the happiest, most fulfilled and help it reach its full potential. And they, they seem to have that. You know, I first encountered white truffles years ago in Croatia. We were there during truffle hunting Mm -hmm. season and I was prepared to spend a lot of money in restaurants on white truffles. But what I found was we got truffles for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, basically. You know, in the morning, we get them on our eggs. In the afternoon, I just shaved on some fresh pasta. In the evening, maybe with a cream sauce, maybe honey infused with truffle in our tea. And it was very inexpensive. I would say to my girlfriend... This this plate of pasta costs the same as I don't know a, a plate of nachos at Applebee's. It would cost ten times this amount in in New York City. Um, did you guys find Did you guys find the same abundance of truffles while you were in um, not just with the truffle hunters, but say when you were going into restaurants and other places in the uh, Piedmont Alba region? They they were abundant during truffle season if it was a good year. The first year, not the first year, they yeah. had been a drought for I think six or seven months. Okay. So there hadn't been any, uh, hardly any, um, and the price was very very high if you could find any. Um, but yeah, the years like uh, you know last year um, was a was a good year. Uh, so there were last I guess two years ago pre pandemic, uh, it was a good season. Um, but yeah, I guess it depends. You know, we 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 heard about the Croatian travel. I've been to Croatia, also. Um, but it's interesting, you, because of course it's subjective, right? Taste is all subjective. Sure. But if you, uh, there's something about having a truffle in Italy <laughs> that that tastes different. It's only because, you know, like for us, we, you know, we we tasted a truffle from that a truffle hunter gave us that he, you know, I think Greg said that he's been looking for for weeks and he shared it. He shared it with us for the first time. Um, and we understood the, the meaning of that truffle. We, we understood what it's like for a man to be on his hands and knees with his dog, um, smelling the earth wow. and, um, sifting through this beautiful land, um, to finally find a truffle. And, you know, and then all the time we spent in the forest there with this amazing symphony of nature that once you, finally tasted a real truffle because before to us truffle oil was truffle which we all know is not real uh that the truffles in in that region really taste like that community it's quite it's quite different i mean when i was in croatia i hadn't spent much time there of course i didn't get to know the community and i didn't have an intimate relationship with anybody there or the or the forest there so i didn't have the same relationship had with this with this land and this trouble so it it, uh to us it tastes of course tastes different but uh, but who knows if you had a taste test, a blind taste test? I don't know because if people tell a difference, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, that's a point that I've talked about on the podcast before, which is um, environment, atmosphere has a lot to do with how we perceive taste. Like someone will say, 
Why isn't gelato as good in the United States as it is in Italy? Well, maybe the ingredients are a little bit different, but you're licking your gelato cone on the piazza, taking your pasajata. The beautiful people are all around you. Of course it tastes better. You have your Guinness in Dublin and you have your Guinness at a bar in Chicago. It tastes different because you're in Dublin and everyone's friendly and, you know, you're That's watching right. the match on TV. So who, who knows? Who knows how That's much right. of it has to do with uh, with these uh, issues as well? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's one of the things that, you know, we we thought about a lot while we were making this film. It's just, you know, there's this market for truffles that it, it exists kind of in parallel to the to the world of, of the truffle hunters that we were filming. But it, there's it, almost kind of an absurdity when you would see these two worlds juxtaposed against each other in a day and you see a truffle, yes, yes. you know, selling in an auction for $100,000, you know, for selling for selling it, it, the price of gold for, for a fungus that if you don't eat it in three days, it becomes, it becomes inedible. And, and the, you know, the same thing with the, the market for the wine in this region, you know, the Barillos and Barbarescos that are produced by, by, by some of the winemakers there, just, they sell for astronomical sums. And we're, you know, we're asking, you know, and they're, they're, they're all, everything that comes from this region is wonderful. But we, you know, the prices were like, what justifies that price? And maybe it's just that the, when you're, when you're, when you're buying a truffle from Alba, when you're buying it, when you're getting it in a restaurant in Hong Kong, or you're you're getting a, a Gaia Barolo in in a New York City restaurant, like maybe it's just that you're 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 capturing a little bit of the magic that went into that, and a little bit of the you know maybe it's not a coincidence that these incredible these incredible gastronomic products that that are coveted around the world come from this region that just seems to be overflowing with, with magic and beauty. Maybe somehow that's, you know, when you pay that price, it's not just the thing. It's, it's the whole world that surrounds it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, you're buying part of the story as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before I let you guys go, the region of Piedmont is one of my favorite food areas in not only in Italy, in the whole world. Um, it's a gastronomic wonderland. I think Turin is completely underrated as a foodie city. Someday I'll do an episode on Turin. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask both of you, yeah. before I let you go, tell me about one memorable meal that you had while making the film. Maybe it had truffles, maybe it didn't, but you decide and, and tell me one memorable meal. Well, I think um, the most memorable meal was the first time we tasted a truffle, uh, which was when we were in the forest with the truffle hunter, well, I said, you know, he, he hadn't found a truffle in weeks. And, uh, you know, he was, he was nice enough to take us along. And so we were, we were, I guess, with him in the forest at night for, for you know, quite a number of nights and nothing turned up. And he is in his early eighties. Uh, and, and that's where I thought he, you know, he found a truffle that he was going to sell to Sean Franco on the side of the road at like, you know, two, three in the morning. And uh, he decided to, uh, when he found that truffle, he took us to his, his cabin and, uh, you know, it was just, you know, had a wood burning stove, a really small, you know, modest home and, uh, you know, got some eggs from his chickens outside and, um, uh, decided to, uh, you know, crack those eggs in a, in a cast iron skillet and shave that truffle that he had found. It maybe it was like you know, 40, 40 grams, 45 grams and served it to us and, and to us, that was like a very much like a welcome to my welcome to my to my family and a welcome to my community. But that was, I think, that to us was the, was the most special meal. 
Sounds amazing. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know where we were going because the, the sun was hadn't come up yet, and we were at all night. We were imagine we're toting around <laughs> cameras. We're in the mud. I mean, it, it had rained finally, and uh, it was a nasty cold, cold night. And maybe it was in the uh, twenty high twenty degrees or something. And uh, and we had thought he was just going to. You know, he's been working so hard for so many weeks to find his little truffle, and we thought he's just going to sell it. But he shared it with us, and that was, uh, <laughs> and that's the man you see in the film uh, where he's talking to Angelo in the wine cellar, and he's trying to convince Angelo to go back truffle hunting because they've been friends for years and years, and Angelo's refused to truffle hunt, and he's trying to get him to come back. And he's a very charming man, um, uh, but that was to us, yeah, that was to us, like, you know, as as special as could get. Well, Gregory Kershaw, Michael Dweck, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Best of luck with your film, The Truffle Hunters. We'll have links to all of your stuff in the show notes. And best of luck with this film. It's really a beautiful piece of work. Thank you, Greg. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for including us. Man, I'll tell you, I could geek out on truffles all day long. The Truffle Hunters is now playing in theaters definitely go see it. It's a gorgeous film. Well, that's it for this episode. Next week, we're in Rome for gelato and Roman-style pizza. Don't miss that. And over at DestinationEatDrink.com, I've got a new blog post about sprinkles, or maybe you call them jimmies, or maybe hundreds and thousands. Read about that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and truffle dog trainer Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.